So today. <laughs> Are you done? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Okay. Are you? You know you're not. You're still laughing. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I can be done. Oh my god, there's kids. Creatures okay. everywhere! <laughs> oh my god. Hi, Daniel. Okay. This is Corey. Thanks for listening along as we have a book club of two over a cup of tea. Our goal is to explore beloved genres as well as push ourselves out of our comfort zone and explore genres we might typically overlook or avoid. In each episode, we discuss a randomly selected genre. We will be sharing our reading experience and a brief review of the books we recommended to each other from the previous episode. Also a heads up, so that we can have a rich and in-depth conversation, there may be spoilers about the books we are discussing. All right, let's get started. This is Season 2, Episode 8. Today we are celebrating Earth Day and Arbor Day, which is close in time. And um, first, I would like to say that every day is actually Earth Day. It's not just one day a year. What do you think? I agree. But that's just our opinions. Yeah. But hopefully we'll inspire you with our conversations today. Yeah. Yeah. We have two awesome... Um, non-fiction books to talk about today. I said that and I was like, oh, I have no idea what Curious Opinion is. So I guess I'm speaking for myself. Spoiler alert, I liked both of them. Um, but before we get to the books, let's catch up and then talk about our tea. How's it going for you this week? It's okay. I'm just wrapped up with teaching and I still have a buttload of grading to do, but no more classes to teach and that feels great. But my schedule is also undergoing some massive changes, which is feels weird trying to figure out what my life's going to look like like schedules for the summer or schedules for the fall uh schedule for right now and into the summer so i'm still on contract until mid-may um and i have work to do service work and grading and all that gotcha and then um picking up more hours at the bookstore but also just figuring out what do i want to accomplish this summer and trying to create downtime for myself but i don't really do relaxation very well so that's there's that Mm. How are things for you? Good. Hanging in there. <laughs> <laughs> By the Laya. pitch of my voice, you can tell that everything is going really well. Laya. <laughs> lies. All lies. It's just been a complicated spring, it feels like. Mm. And I'm tired. And I wish that I had your schedule so I could sleep a little bit come yeah. a few weeks from now. Well, there's the puppy who's awake at 6 a.m. every day, so there's not a lot of sleep going on. But that's on. like my normal wake up. Oh, that's okay. like my sleeping in. Got it. <laughs> that's your sleeping <laughs> in. But you have a trip coming up. In fact, you might actually be there when this episode Oh, hosts. yeah. I think I'm going to be across the pond. So exciting. By the time this happens. Yep. Yay. So yeah. that's something to look forward to. I know. 24 days. 24? Yep. I didn't realize you're taking that long off. No, 24 days from today I leave. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I'll be gone for two weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Got yep. it. 24 days and then 14 days. And then 14 days of being an American tourist, which should be exciting. I love being an American tourist. I'm so stoked. My friend bought us berets to wear in France. Stop it. <laughs> be those and mine's people. purple. Nice. <laughs> 
I love it. Anyway, what about tea? Tea. So, again, I don't always like the association of green with all things environmental and sustainability, but you will note that I picked out green mugs for us, and I picked out a green tea. And a mint green tea. A mint green tea. So this is by, I think it's Rishi is how you say it. I should have uh, checked on that before we started. Rishi is the only other way you would say it, right? I'm pretty sure it's Rishi. Or Rishi. Yeah. Here we go again, not being able to pronounce things. So <laughs> I sorry, feel like we're self-conscious now since somebody made that comment. <laughs> I know. I, I'd like to think it's part of our charm. I think so. Okay. It makes us special. Yep. We stand out because we can't say anything right. Uh, so yeah, it's organic, which is always a thumbs up in my book. Uh, it comes in a really cool uh, metal tin, which has some really pretty drawings on it, which is also cool. But then I always feel obligated to find a use for the tin. Geocaching. Interesting. Okay. We should do that. <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> uh, it's loose leaf, which again I like, and I, I thought it. I I picked it up because I thought it was going to be similar to my favorite Tazo Zen tea, mm-hmm. and it is kind of similar, but I think it's a little heavier on the mint. Yeah, I don't it's really taste strong the, mint. I don't really taste the green. I know honestly. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's good for it's. It's called. Uh, it says that it's sweet and soothing. So. I get the soothing. My stomach feels much better. Oh, good. But my sweet, I don't taste the sweet. Yeah. I guess they meant maybe the mint. Mint. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, and as Kiri can attest, I definitely need some soothing. Uh, if there's any weird animal noises, we'll apologize in advance. But Oh, right, because we're in a circus right now. Yeah, we are in a circus with a puppy and a cat, which finally settled down. Maybe that was good that we took some time to get ready. Yeah. But they were, like, walking all over everything and barking and meowing and purring and Attacking licking. Attacking each and- other hissing i was just like i was like this is gonna be a really trying episode (laughs) (laughs) and it still might be we're not gonna jinx it okay let's just plow through it right so that because she's sleeping right now yeah well you know and i guess if there is weird noises either it will consider that charm and ambiance or our uh, sound editor extraordinaire hi daniel uh will take care of it for us maybe maybe if we remember to tell him that a giant (laughs) dog barked yeah. So, books. Books. You're up first. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I picked The Hidden Life of Trees, uh, What They Feel, How They Communicate by Peter Wallaben. Yeah, he's German. And he has done a study of, well, and other people have done studies of books and how they communicate. Books? I mean, trees. <laughs> What day is it? It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Um, And it has a lot of research about the social network of the forest and Mm -hmm. how trees, if they're getting what I thought was cool, the example about the giraffes in Africa. Oh, yeah. And how they'll start chomping on a tree and then the tree will be like, ouch, this hurts. And they'll change their nectar to be something gross. And then they'll change their scent so that other trees down the line can start changing their Mm -hmm. sugars so that it's not good for giraffes. And it's like magic. Although it like doesn't happen that quickly. I know. It (laughs) it takes a while. (laughs) I love how we kept emphasizing (laughs) that it it takes like an hour or two for a tree to respond. It's kind of like a sloth, you know? So he, you know, talks about how um, trees 
are kind of like families and the mm-hmm. mother trees or the trees that have laid the acorns or, you know, I mean, it's just adorable. Like I loved everything about this mm-hmm. book. They talked about how if you're part of the popular trees, the other trees will nourish you if you get chopped down. <laughs> but if you're not part of the popular trees, they're not going to help you. I know. It's like its own like human society of... Yeah. If you're not cool enough, then you don't get any of our sugar. But if you are cool enough, we will give you sugar. (laughs) Well, and I also thought how it talked a lot about how you had to like work together and be a community and that you're only strongest as your weakest link. And I even made, I think I made a note at that point. I was like, huh, this feels like kind of like a metaphor for our society. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, you know, you can't have just one tree in the middle of a field Uh does not mean it's going to be successful. It actually means it's most likely going to die because... Unless it's an oak tree. Unless it's an oak tree. But, you know, they need those... All their roots are connected Mm -hmm. underground Mm -hmm. and they can tell if one of them is not feeling well, like is dying or is Sharing of resources. Yeah, it was so sweet. I was like... Oh, trees. I know. And then I realized there were they were talking about the oaks. And do you have an oak tree in your yard? You don't, right? I don't think so. So I have a giant oak tree in my uh-huh. backyard and it starts sprouting little oaks oh. underneath. And what I didn't realize is that means that it's struggling. Yeah, I, I remember that. It was yeah. like cleaning up the little feelers. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. like they're trying, they're putting all of their resource to these little guys, but they don't get sun and most people cut them yeah. down like I do. And so they're wasting all this energy building these little guys because they're like, help me, I'm dying. And I'm like, I'm going to chop you away. Chop, 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 chop. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah. It was a heavily researched book, though. I think at the Mm -hmm. halfway point, I was like, sweet Jesus, can we talk about something else? That was going to be my comment. (laughs) So, so here, yeah. So I will echo what you said. Here's what I liked about it. Um, I felt like it was... And I mean this in the best way possible. It was like science light. Yeah. So he used layperson mm-hmm. language and really cute analogies. Mm-hmm. And again, like, I guess almost some anthropomorphizing of mm-hmm. the trees a smidge. Yeah. But that was okay. Because mm-hmm. I, I think that made it relatable and people could be like, oh, yeah. Like you said, like the cool kids and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Um, my error, and I, and I, so this is my my suggestion for anyone who wants to pick this up, is number one. The nice thing is this, this is one of those books I think you could pick up and put down. Mm-hmm. Each chapter is pretty much a standalone chapter. Yeah. And um, I kind of put it off to the last minute. So uh, full disclosure, I'm not done. But I'm going to keep reading it. But I, I felt like I could only read it in small doses. Yeah, it's not like a novel. Like, you have to read a couple uh-huh. chapters, and then you're like, okay, I'm done with trees. Yeah. And then you read up some. Yeah, because yeah, okay. it's literally just about trees. Yeah. Um, which is fascinating. And I and I will say this is one of those books, In if Robert was here, he would attest that I would be like, hey. <laughs> If Robert was here, he would be like, yes. Every five seconds, Corey's like, ooh, did you know, I know. that? Yeah. And I would like write, read off some other random fact yeah. about that I had just read. And I did lots of underlining. Yeah. And, um, so I mean, it's really, really good. I, I kept thinking this would be such a great book to make people appreciate trees. I mean, yeah. he really, his editor and the writer really did a great job. And his background, I think, is forestry. And again, he's... German. So he talks a lot about the forest that he manages. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just thought it really, he, he did it in a really tangible way as far as talking about the the longevity of trees, the 
the business side of trees, mm-hmm. the, all the things. And, and I, you know, and, and I certainly, there was a few things he'd explain them and I'd be like, oh yeah, I remember learning about that in biology. Right. Yeah. Um, but again, I it didn't realize technical. that trees felt things. I know, but, but it doesn't, but it makes sense because they're, you, they've shown that plants can feel things. Yeah. Well, so I finished reading this and then I was driving home one day on fourth street and they cut off two beautiful pine trees where the junior academy used to be and i could smell it and i was like they're in so much pain right now we've hurt them so bad and then i started crying because i'm emotional and that's just what i'm (laughs) gonna do but it was just oh i know well and they did the same thing like at the corner of fourth and sixth street isn't that what i'm talking about Oh, maybe like across from the elementary school Oh, no, no, no. Okay, so across from the elementary school, there's, like, a little apartment section, and they literally have cut the crowns off of, like, eight huge trees there. So they're just these gigantic stubs of trumps, and they're huge trees. Trumps. (laughs) (laughs) You mean trunks? Trunks. What did I say? I said trumps. Oh, like Like the president. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Anyways... <laughs> I was like, "Oh, are they giant uh, Cheeto-looking trees now?" Yeah, I know. Anyway, sorry. I know. So, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely some of it was new. I, I guess what I took away is that some, the ideas were not necessarily. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Um, the biological pieces were again very much in layperson language, but I recognized some of it from just doing biology. Um, but then I think just really focusing on kind of the social networks and how they communicate I and know. why, and yeah. I mean, evolution at its best, really. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I was blown away by how, how the different ways that they can communicate. So mm-hmm. through scent and through the root network mm-hmm. and the shedding of the pine needles or the leaves, mm-hmm. like, they may drawing talk. bees into them mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that they can pollinate. I mean, so fascinating. And I feel, I mean, we don't have a large tree selection here. You know, we're in the largest ponderosa pine forest, but mm-hmm. you know, it was still so fascinating to see because they what talked a lot about beech trees mm-hmm. and oaks and they did a little bit of pine. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was yeah. just fascinating i don't remember any of this from biology so i felt like i was just like getting hit with a bunch of knowledge about trees like i know about photosynthesis and things like that but i didn't know that trees could change their nectar or Uh that you know it takes maybe up to five years for a pine tree to actually start growing Mm -hmm. and how it's like a competition of who can grow the fastest to get to the biggest light but if their trunks are not Mm -hmm. the perfect circle yeah their weight doesn't get evenly distributed and then as soon as a windstorm comes or a lightning like they're screwed mm-hmm. so crazy well and i found myself thinking about our fire ecology practices oh when we do the prescribed Thinning. burns yeah because you know and i and i still i think i still support that but you know when it, it was talking about kind of the nurturing of little trees mm-hmm. and all of that I was like, oh, we're totally like murdering their babies when we yeah. do that. And it certainly is a fire hazard. And they, and you know, and they do that whole conversation about the blackjacks and mm-hmm. the, um, what's the other type of tree with the, with the pines. I, they, 
I forget. Well, so they have the name. There's a name for the the th- ones, the little skinny thin ones that they they oh. take away, and then the big ones that they keep. One of it is blackjack, and I forget what I the other is. I don't remember what the other one is. But anyways, it just kind of left me feeling a little conflicted. I think because again, we're kind of messing with the ecological balance of the forest yeah. by deciding what we think is best, really for humans, not necessarily for the trees. I mean, kind of. But ultimately, it's also because they don't want a fire to get out of hand, which would ultimately impact humans. Right. I was driving, we were driving down to Oak Creek the other day on 89A, Mm -hmm. and I was still in the middle of reading this book, and there are so many little baby pine trees popping up. And I was like, oh, look at you guys. Hello. Yeah, totally. Right. It's like, you're not going to survive. Maybe some of you will. Oh, I know. That was the other thing, like the statistic of Mm -hmm. like that each the goal of each tree is to replace themselves yeah and that it's like a one in 1.6 million shot of survival yeah (laughs) i was like holy heck (laughs) yep i was like oh man that's pretty intense yeah so yeah i i i'm gonna keep reading it i think i just need to kind of enter pick it up when and read a chapter and just Mm -hmm. because i found myself just trying to plow through it and not really enjoying Mm -hmm. enjoying what was going on um, that's not the right way to say it, but I just felt like I was going through the motions of trying to get it read right. instead of just really enjoying the information that was being shared. Yeah. So I decided I got enough to endorse it and give it a thumbs up, but thumbs that, I, up. Th- that I needed to take a break. Yeah. All right. So I think now we're going to move to our sponsor. Our sponsor. And then we will talk about my Alright, so today's sponsor is IndieBound. Why do you think I picked IndieBound for today, Kiri? Because they like to support local businesses. Yeah. And then it gives back to the community. Yeah. And, you know, and this is as, as someone who has an education in sustainability, that's kind of one of my pet peeves is people's like, oh yeah, I'm like sustainable. Like I like recycle and stuff. And use a reusable water bottle. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I was like, so do you buy local? And they're like, buy what? <laughs> huh? What's that? Yeah. And so if you know anything about sustainability, the three pillars are people, um, economics, and the earth. And so uh, IndieBound does a really... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> IndieBound does a really great job of focusing in on that. Uh, but I, I think really kind of that synergy of people and economics and is trying to show that it's important to support local sustainable businesses in order to create a sustainable community because research definitely shows that when you spend your money locally, more of your dollars stay local. Um, if you go to your big box store, order online, um, it goes to some, you know, not faceless corporate uh, person, which is fine. They need to make a living too. But Yes, you spend your money locally and it's just better. And then that means more tax base for better schools, better roads, more trees, trees. more green space, all the things. Um, and so that's why we like IndieBound because they are a network that supports local bookstores. So we will include that's and that is who we always link to with our books. So if you ever wondered about that, as we'll continue to talk about, uh, we are really committed to trying to encourage you to spend a couple extra dollars and support uh, look sp- support local stores, as well as the um, creators of the work that you're enjoying. That's all I got. Yay, local. Anything you'd add? Nope. Indie bound. Awesome. Woot. Whoop. Whoop. 
All right, so now that we awkwardly talked about buying local, um, we're going to move on <laughs> to the nature fix, which, spoiler alert again, I absolutely loved. I thought it was okay. I don't know how we're friends. <laughs> I mean, really, we're like complete polar opposites, but that keeps life interesting for Only us. Only sometimes. Oh, come on. How many books have we both agreed upon? We did really well with this first couple episodes of the season. True. Okay, fine, fine, fine. So I guess I'll talk about why I adored this book. Give and... a brief overview first. Though. Okay, yeah. So the book is called The Nature Fix. It has a longer title, but I don't have it in front of me. So we're just going to go with The Nature Fix. And um, it is written by Florence Williams. And, oh, here we go. And actually, this is important. Why Nature Makes Us Happier, Healthier, and More Creative. And the reason that I just adored this book is because it totally falls into my wheelhouse of interest when it comes to kind of the synergy around uh outdoors and nature and um, hum human well-being and I actually one of the first papers I wrote in my graduate uh, my graduate degree that I did here for sustainability was around the need for green space for children to play mm. and you know I don't even have children I'm kind of ambivalent about children but as I started researching um, I read Last Child in the Wood by Richard Louvre and I was like Oh my gosh, yeah, I was totally one of those kids that lived in rural America and especially during the summertime was outside from sun up to sundown just screwing around doing my thing, playing and, you know, being imaginative and riding my bike and playing in the woods, playing in the creek, you know. And kids don't do that today. I mean, they sit around and play video games and I also, you know, I had like a huge change when I got here. So I lived in Dallas for five years before moving to Flagstaff. And it was, it's almost impossible to explain other than that shortly after getting here, I was like, oh my gosh, that living in that huge urban center. And I lived, you know, in a really beautiful area with lots of trees and stuff, but it sucked the soul out of me. Like, so when she talked about living in Washington, D.C. and how depressed she was after moving to Boulder, after moving away from Boulder, I was like, I had the complete opposite experience. I moved away from the big city and I moved here and my anxiety went away. My heart palpitations went away. My, you know, I lost weight. I was healthier. I was happier. Um, and I was like, Oh, nature. Yeah, that's what's been missing from my life. And but isn't that what she wanted, though? She went to D.C. and she had anxiety and was having a hard well, exactly. time doing it. Yeah. yeah. So I thought you said that it was the opposite. Right. So I left the big city and I got and moved oh, to the small town. Right. Sorry. Yeah. And so then I, I so I went the opposite direction that right. she did. Yeah. I mean, it's part of why we've stayed here is that we've been like, yeah, we really like being close to nature. We like being outside. Um, you know, another thing that I thought about with the book was, um, when I was going through cancer treatment, I don't know if you've ever been in the cancer center here. Have, yeah. So they call the room where you get your chemo, the infusion room, mm -hmm. and it has these gigantic plate glass windows that overlook the peaks. And I remember the first time I went in there thinking, oh, okay, this isn't so bad if I can sit here and I can stare at my mountains while I'm going through this really terrible thing. Yeah. Um, and so... I think for me, yeah, there was just, I mean, so just even on, those are my own personal examples, mm -hmm. but I loved, again, how she 
inserted herself into exploring this topic and Mm -hmm. and traveling around the world and reflected on her own personal experiences while connecting with all these experts in different fields. And of course, I'm a psychology junkie. So the connections there with nature and psychology, I mean, I was just like, honestly, I started going, okay, if I do a PhD, this is definitely one of the areas I'd want to maybe explore Mm -hmm. is this whole synergy between human health and nature and psychology, because I was like, yeah, this is really important work. And it's so not talked about and so undervalued. And I just... I don't know. I loved everything about it. I'm going to stop for a second and let you talk. (laughs) (laughs) So I liked the book. I think it was just, I think it went on too long. There were like certain sections where I felt like things could have been condensed a little bit more. Mm. Um, Like going to Japan and doing the forest bathing, I thought was really cool, but it felt like it was just too much information. So it Mm-hmm. To me, it read more like a memoir instead of like a scientific studies compared to my book. Mm-hmm. Like she mm-hmm. put herself in these experiences yep. and wrote about her experiences mm-hmm. with them and then tied in, you know, research or, mm-hmm. you know, little blurbs. It wasn't as, I think, researched as the book that I picked. Well, I think it was researched in a different way. Right. And I think it was mostly like she was the science experiment, like she was going to do these things. And so she got to show how her progress changed and what happened with that. So it was a little bit not as removed as I think the tree yeah, the tree book was. Well, and as we've talked about before, I like you that. Love I love it. that. Yeah, I love those concrete, tangible experiences of the author. I think it just adds that extra layer to the experience. And I think maybe the way I looked at hers, so like with your book, he's an expert in trees, right? Yeah. Um, where her she is exploring and talking to the experts in a wide variety of areas. And in some ways I think the book was like a gigantic literature review with her experience in exploring these different areas woven in. Hmm. So you see what I'm saying? No. So, you know, like when a scientist does their research before they do their own research, they go out and they see what else is in the field. They summarize it. They capture the little snippets of it, look for themes, trends, commonalities. That's really what she did. She wasn't really conducting research. She was exploring a topic and supplementing it with research that's been done by other people. Right. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was good. Yeah. I can't imagine living anywhere else but Flagstaff. (laughs) I think if we were to move, we would probably move somewhere out of the country. Mm -hmm. Like Scotland, where there's literally (laughs) green space almost everywhere you turn as long as you're not in a big city. Yeah. Um, Well, and that's what I like. I thought she explored a lot of places that I hadn't read. Like the whole conversation about the Scandinavian countries, in particular Finland and just their valuing of green space and going to Scotland mm-hmm. and going to Japan and going, I like, I would have never, I would have never really wanted to go to Hong Kong, but after like listening, reading her experience of going to Hong Kong, I was like, huh. Cause again, I love urban planning mm-hmm. and I love that intersection between urban planning and green space. So I was like, Whoa, that sounds like a cool place to visit. Like I wouldn't have even probably considered that prior to this. Yeah. So I liked her, uh, 
experience with the river rats yes, I was just, <laughs> in yeah. Utah. yeah i know well yeah the utah bit and then just the going out with the students that were having the experience mm-hmm. and then with the the veteran the women's veterans that went on that long river rafting experience or her wearing the eeg or ekg <laughs> or whatever it's called and I'm like a- removing it and then putting it back on and then removing it i was like that has got to be so weird right yeah. So, I mean, it really made me more interested in neuroscience, which I, I feel, know. which I feel like is one of those things that I've always, again, shied away from in the psychology side of it. Like, I've always been interested in why people do the things they do, but more the behavioral side of things. Right. And so actually thinking about how this affects your brain. I think it's also really timely because... You know, one of the things I've been doing with my students is we spent, I spent my entire last day of class outside. Nice. And, and that was our second time going outside and the students love it. And I'll ask them, I'm like, how did you feel? And they're like, I feel so much less stressed and I have a little bit more energy. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's, and that's just even again, a small dose of being outside on the NAU campus, but it is really powerful to see, um, the impact that it has on them. And I think, so for me, I was like, okay, how can I weave in more outside time with my students and still get done what I need to get done? Because it really changes the whole thing for them. I feel like the same way about plants. So I used to have a philodendron plant at Mm -hmm. my desk at work and I live in a cubicle and I don't have any natural light, but that plant just like kept growing and thriving and it Mm -hmm. got too big and I had to bring it home. And so it's been at home for a week now and I feel so weird at work without my plant. Yeah. So I'm going to make a little succulent dish, a little terrarium, 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 terrarium. A terrarium I think is for a turtle. Oh, or reptile. Well, maybe I should get one of those too. But, um, (laughs) you know, it's hard for me sometimes to get away from my desk to Uh go out in nature Uh and it's automatic. Like I went and walked to lunch today with a girlfriend Mm -hmm. and I came back and I felt so much better because I was in such a glum this morning and just even walking through city, it Uh was outside, there were trees around, it Mm -hmm. was nice and it just Just made me feel Mm -hmm. better. Yep. And then I went back into the doom hole of cubicle land and started to not feel very good again. So... Yeah, I, I think there's something to it. I, I certainly have some vivid memories of, um, like, w- after we've been traveling for a while, when you're, like, always in, like, airports and cars mm-hmm. and airplanes, being out on my bike and just that feeling of, yeah, the air on your face and the sunshine and moving by your own volition and yeah. not being in a little box of metal. Where other people are breathing the same air yeah. as you. Yeah. It just, it, yeah, it feels really good. Yeah. What did you think of her whole kind of, or I guess it was actually her idea, what kind of was, but she was talking about at the end about kind of the nature pyramid idea of like the, how you, the dosing of nature. Um, Cause that was a big part of her book was how much time should you spend in nature daily, monthly, weekly in order to reap the benefits of it? I don't know if I believe in that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if we should put time limits on things like you have to spend 10 minutes in nature to receive the benefit. I think being Even in nature. scientifically proven? Yeah. I just, <laughs> it's like diets. Like yeah. you can't, it doesn't true. work for everybody. True, I mean, true. some people might have super bad allergies and staying outside in the mm-hmm. forest for 15 mm-hmm. minutes a day mm-hmm. and they're sneezing their brains out. Like that's probably not enjoyable for them. Fair enough. Like they didn't take that into consideration at all as the allergies. Mm, okay. Like and I guess here, especially uh-huh. with, you know, 
like the juniper, like a lot of people are allergic to the juniper pollen. So mm -hmm. as soon as the windy season comes, you know, Chris doesn't like being outside because he literally has snot running down his face the whole time. Yep. Like that's Robert's not fun. the same way. There was one spring where he literally, other than going to and from work, like he wouldn't leave the house yeah. for a solid like two months. I'd be like, hey, I'm going out to be people for drinks. And he'd be like, nope, I'm going to stay here by the... Uh, whatever the air cleaner thing is that we yeah. had. and uh... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because that is a big thing. Yeah. Or if you're in a wheelchair, I mean, mm -hmm. there are some areas that you can do wheelchair accessible. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I obviously love getting out in nature, mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. if it's just sitting in my backyard and not having any technology with me. Like I have that beautiful oak tree. It's, mm -hmm. I'm right next to the mountain. But I don't know if we should like tell yeah. people that they need to do it because that automatically makes people not want to do it. True. 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 I thought the studies on kind of the virtual reality nature were interesting. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, again, I thought it was funny, you know, obviously again, she's a huge nature lover. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, she kind of kept talking about her own personal experience with not being very responsive to the pictures of, you know, the pictures or the films. And, yeah. Um, and what I kept thinking, cause I was trying to visualize and, and again, I think that's where, you know, she almost knew too much, like to be a good test subject. Mm -hmm. But I think about like, you know, like when we have the mountain film festival and there's so many adventure and outdoor film fest films, I still find myself sometimes kind of having that moment of awe that she talked about yeah. with that beautiful filming. Now, is it the same as experiencing it? Probably not. But especially since a lot of that's like extreme sports stuff that I right. would never do in a million years. Right. Vicariously experiencing it is still pretty powerful, I yeah. think. Um, but I, it did give me pause to think as far as, huh, is that as valuable of an experience? And obviously the answer is no. I mean, if you can actually get outside. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it ties in really well to the tree book because, you know, the one thing we didn't talk about was why, I guess we haven't talked about why does being out in nature make you healthier and happier. And so, you know, what she talks about a lot is how uh, there's a variety of enzymes and things that trees release mm -hmm. that actually have been proven consistently to reduce your blood pressure, reduce your heart rate, um, you know, a lot of really think, you know, good things that are stress related exposure to being outside and especially in a more dense tree area is really helpful. And I know from reading other articles that the pheromone that she's talking about that makes us less stressed is the one that the trees are, that he's talking about that the trees release mm -hmm. um, to scare the insects away. Oh. So it's th their insect repellent, a pheromone. But they make us happy. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah. So I thought that was kind of a fun little connection and overlap between our two choices this week. Totally. I was actually just thinking about when you said the Mountain Film Festival, and I remember going on the river for the first time and being completely awed out <laughs> by just the river and the beauty and the environment and mm -hmm. being on a boat and just not hearing anything except for water Yeah, was so beautiful. And then I remember the day that we were running lava, which is the largest rapid uh -huh. in the Colorado River. Uh. And everybody was anxious. Everybody was like tripping over their own feet. And I was, <laughs> the kids that we were on the trip were kind of oblivious. And I was hyper aware of like, this was lava day and lava day is a scary day. Mm. And the anxiety building up to that mm -hmm. was enormous but then once right. I got through it it was just like 
yeah. it was done and over with and I could enjoy it again. But you you can hear lava from, I would say, like a half a mile away. Like oh, if wow. you are on the river and okay. you're in a paddle boat, like uh-huh. you can hear it. Mm. And it is beastly and okay. horrifying <laughs> and just, I have never seen a hole that big before. But even with the anxiety, it was still nice to experience mm-hmm. because I knew that we were going to be fine regardless. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If we flipped, it was just going to get a really cold bath. Yeah. But the difference between like how doing something scary like that in nature, it, it's like the healthy mix of anxiety and excitement at mm-hmm. the same time. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I've only done, I've only been on the river once and that was just for a day trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and honestly, I go back and forth. Like part of me wants to do like a full on like multi-day river trip, but also after the experience of just doing like the half day, mm-hmm. I, you know, she kind of went through all the emotions that you feel like that, again, that anxiety, mm-hmm. that exhilaration, like the, the nervousness leading up to a rapid. Mm-hmm. And then you're like hyper-focused as you go through the rapid mm-hmm. and then the exhilaration of being, I was like, Oh my God, yes, that was the whole freaking trip. And it was exhausting. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't know if I'd, I mean, I want the experience, but I don't know that I would, I just think sitting, I think it would be stressful for me too. And being wet all the time. And like, there's so many factors that I think would just be very exhausting for me that I'm yeah. not sure that I would be like suddenly turn into this person who always wants to be on a river trip. My butt crack got chafed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and it was like halfway through the river trip. Oh. So I still had to sit on a boat with a chafed butt crack for oh. like four days. It was the most painful thing I've ever experienced. Yeah. I was just like, holy shit. Yeah. I have literally just been sitting on this boat and now mm. my butt crack is chafed. That sucks. Yeah. So I learned to bring baby wipes uh-huh. and you wipe the sand off uh-huh. okay. because you're on the river. Like you can't shower yeah. or bathe yeah. without getting any sand in you. Yeah. So. It was just one of those things, but it was Living glorious. Life. I was exhausted every single night after the day of going mm-hmm. through rapids and yeah. dealing with children and all that stuff. But yeah, so I certainly, yeah, I think I'd like to have the experience once. That's yeah. always one of my pet peeves. I feel like I have so many friends with like river running connections and like all the time people are like, oh yeah, I just got back. Someone needed like this last minute person on a trip and it was like so awesome. And I'm like, where the F are my friends that are connected to the river community? And why the heck are they not ever being like, hey, Corey, you want to go on a river trip? Laura and Emily, this is your shout out. <laughs> <laughs> well, but they're going for work. Yeah, but you can help. Edwin went. So. No, Pixie. Yeah. Hello, Pixie. Are you, you just have to, to work, a- which is not yeah. that big of a deal. Like, yeah, it's not like you're doing hard labor of maybe someday Emily and Laura yeah well I'm even just talking like commercial trips and stuff but those are gonna cost so much money so but I always get the feeling five thousand dollars but the people I'm talking to that are like yeah last minute I got to go they're not dropping five thousand dollars they might be you think yeah you can't unless they're a river like if unless they're running the boat oh maybe okay unless they have really rich friends and they're like you don't have to pay me back this (laughs) thirty-five to five thousand dollars i'm just trip. thinking of the people that say things like that to me and i'm like they don't have five grand just sitting around to drop so maybe they're maybe they're working the trip as yeah. like some in some way to pay for it a cook or something yeah who anyway, knows tangent uh, tangent 
this 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 is a Flagstaff life, people. This is the type of things we speculate and talk about. <laughs> Who's going on river trips and why? And why are they spending that much money doing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Indeed, indeed. So I, yeah, I really am, I, you know, I borrowed this book from the library and I'm actually, I think I'm going to buy it from the bookstore because mm-hmm. I think I'm going to keep returning to it. I want to find some ways to incorporate it into some of my curriculum. That would um, be cool. And yeah, I just, it, I, and who knows, I may be one of those nerds out there researching, helping research some of this at some point in my life. I don't know. I always have like 5,000 directions my brain's going in for next professional steps and this one certainly was like oh yeah you do like this so yeah. i think i appreciated that a lot cool yeah so yay nature yay psychology all the things in one book it's all good yeah <laughs> um next time next time so april is also mm, <laughs> i don't know <laughs> starts with a p our next book theme. Come Poetry on. Month. All right. Okay. Carrie got it. <laughs> Woo! Holy heck. I was like, we are a mess. <laughs> I'm tired. I want to go to bed. Anyway, okay. we're, so we're reading about poetry. We're, well, we're reading. I'm not reading about poetry. Oh, we're, we're reading, reading poetry. poetry. <laughs> <laughs> it's my Oh, jeez. That's after work. We're both a little brain dead. But yes, so April's also Poetry Month. So we each picked a book. What'd you pick, Carrie? The Princess Saves Herself in This One by Amanda Lovelace. And I went with the uh, uber-popular Milk and Honey by Rupi Carr to see what the fuss is about. Yep. So join us as we talk about poetry. Poetry. And take a poll of whether or not Kiri and or Corey enjoyed the poetry. Mm, Yes, you can speculate. Maybe leave us a note. Predict. Your prediction. Do you think... Who do you think liked poetry more? Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. Well, as always, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, book friends, we hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks for listening along with us. Head over to our podcast site to share your recommendations and your opinions with us on the books we have read. That website is booksandteapodcast.com. It's also where you will find our podcast show notes with a full list of titles for the books, along with our favorite tea and what we mentioned today. If you are on any social media, feel free to stop by our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter accounts. You will find those links on our website. To be the first to hear about the next new podcast and what we are working on, make sure you are signed up to our newsletter. 